Hello and welcome to a special end time edition of Nightlight. With me on the show, speaking over Skype from his home in the UK, is author, Bible scholar and current events analyst Stephen Strutt. Hi everybody. Nice to be back on the show. We have a guest tonight on Nightlight. Stephen, it's always good to have you on the show and hear any insights and perspectives that the Lord may be showing you in regards to the rapidly unfolding events happening in the world around us, especially as they relate to end-time Bible prophecy. You said that you have something new to share about the ten toes of the image in Nebuchadnezzar's dream as told in Daniel chapter 2. Sounds very interesting. Yes, I find we live in very interesting and very challenging times. And I think the last two years has made that clear to all of us, that Bible prophecy is real. God's word is real. That's right. And I think with this class, I want to show that it would appear that we are in a time of change, a time of flux, and we're actually seeing something magnificent, which I'll, you'll see in a minute about God's prophecies, you can actually see they are happening. They are starting. In particular, the Daniel 2 image, right? which I will start reading some verses, because I think there's nothing more powerful than the word itself. So I will read you some verses here, starting with Daniel 2. And it says here, In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherewith his spirit was troubled, and his sleep broke from him. Then the king commanded to call the musicians, not musicians, sorry, the magicians, and the astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans, for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king, and the king said unto them, I've dreamed a dream, and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. All right, so this is a dream, which turns out to be about an image, and I'm going to jump right now to what this image means, where Daniel, the prophet of God, comes and gives the interpretation to the king. So this is verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee. The form thereof was terrible. The image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron, part of clay. It's this part that my class is mostly about. It's mostly about the fact that this image of Daniel 2, it shows us from the top valuable metals deteriorating from gold head, silver arms, bronze belly and, and chest, to iron legs, and then finally mix your iron and clay feet and toes. Right. But like I said, I, I, I love reading the scriptures because there's nothing so powerful as them. I won't read all these scriptures, but just to say you've got this image that is deteriorating in value from the head of gold, which turned out to be Nebuchadnezzar, and silver arms of the following empire, which took over Babylon, which was the media Persians. And then the bronze or brass chest of the Greeks, and then the legs of iron of Rome, and then finally the feet with clay, partly clay and partly iron. Now, what I wanted to bring out here was 
This is very interesting because if you think physically speaking, you couldn't build an image like that. Right. You could not build an image with very heavy metals on, including iron, gold at the top, and then suddenly have feet that are made of partly clay, partly iron. The thing would fall over. It's true. There's no way an image like that could exist physically. Of course, the original image is not literal. It's allegorical. It's an illustration. And it is one of the most powerful prophecies and visions in the entire Bible. Absolutely. Because it all happened. It all happened exactly as God gave it to Nebuchadnezzar and as interpreted, interpreted sorry, by, by Daniel, his prophet. It's just amazing how it could be prophesied the exact sequence of governments from Babylon all the way to Rome and then finally the Antichrist government or the emerging world government as is happening right now. Right. Now, here is the big point I wanted to bring out to people. If we look at the last two years in particular, we've seen something that hasn't happened before. We have seen the governments in the West, especially Australia, Canada in particular, who were so liberal and so easygoing, and all of a sudden they're clamping down on people in a way like I've never imagined they could possibly do with their mandates. I won't go into the details because I'm not going to go into that side of things today. I'll stick to Bible prophecy. But just to say they're putting out mandates and making it very difficult for people who don't do exactly what they're told. That's right. Now, we have never seen anything like this before. The only thing I can think of similar to this was the Second World War, There's something this serious. Uh, we've seen in the last two years where people are forced to do things against their will and, and the, the amazing thing is, if we look at the last 2,000 years, considering Bible prophecy, I know most of you listening to this, you know your Bibles and you, you know Daniel 2 very well. You also know that this time frame of the feet and the toes is talking about the time period from when the Roman government stopped. That's right. Now, some people say the Roman Empire stopped 500 A.D., some say it's 1500 A.D. at the collapse of the Roman Catholic Church's power. What we're interested in knowing here is, I'll just explain. If you consider these feet that I say, physically speaking, it's impossible to have an image like that. And I think God, in his great wisdom, he made the image like that deliberately, deliberately, physically and spiritually, to bring our point across. I'll get into detail about that in a minute. But if we consider, now what, what does this mean? It's easy to see the legs of iron from which they came. The legs of iron was Rome. What does iron represent? It represents dictatorships. Strong, iron dictatorship. You do as I say or else attitude. And with a lot of violence to fulfill the law and make people toe the line. That's iron. Right. The clay is something that this world is not really so used to, because where do they get this idea of the clay? Well, if we look in the book of Isaiah, we will find that there it says clearly in Isaiah, thou art the potter, we the people are the clay. So the clay is representing the people. So governments by clay is what we call in modern terms democracies. If we look back in history, when did democracies start? You all realize that, say, in the UK, say, in 16th century, 17th century, 
you still had dictators, you still had absolute monarchs. So we haven't had these clay governments for very long. It's true. In fact, I'd say the clay government started with the United States about 250 years ago. So let's say for the last 250 years with the influence of the United States and then Britain following suit, you started to have more liberal governments, not so much monarchies that were absolute, not so much more these iron dictatorial governments, but more and more lax and more and more including the opinions of others like the people. And that's lasted for what, 250 years, more and more. And many countries thought, like Canada and Australia, they would stay liberal forever. But something's changed, ladies and gentlemen, in the last two years. Something's changed very dramatically Yes. beyond our imagination. What's interesting is this image of Daniel 2 with the feet. I believe when it talks about the feet partly clay and partly iron and then the toes partly clay and iron, I think we're right at the joint with the toes, the ten toes. Ten toes representing the ten major powers under the Antichrist. And it looks like we're about to enter right into those ten toes. Now the big question is why is it described as partly clay, partly iron? Because for the last 250 years you've had Western governments that are very democratic. You've had right next to them, say in Europe, in the East Bloc, you've had dictatorial governments that were under communism until a very short time ago. And, and through the last 250 years, you've had this mixture of governments in Europe of dictatorships and also democracies. Right. Now, here's another major point I want to get across to people is in studying. I have a map here of what used to be the Roman Empire. Because as you know, the scriptures there of Daniel 2, also Daniel 7, Revelation 13, they all talk about the same area that things start happening in what was the former Roman Empire. Why is that? Because in Daniel 7, it makes it very clear in Daniel 7, and I'll read you something nice and scary here out of the scriptures. <laughs> this is Daniel 7, 7. And after this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, and strong exceedingly. It had great iron teeth. Look at that, iron teeth. And it devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue of the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were for it. And it had ten horns. So here you've got the Roman government, and emerging out of it these ten horns, which is talking about the same thing as the ten toes in Daniel 2. Yes. And also you mentioned that it mentions iron. Iron teeth, great iron teeth has this monster. And it, it's not a nice image like Daniel 2. In Daniel 2, <laughs> we see God's prophet explaining in a nice way to the emperor Nebuchadnezzar the coming governments. In Daniel 7, we see God explain to his own prophet how it really is that these governments are ferocious monsters, governments of iron and destruction and force and terror. Right. And Quite honestly, I think it's a miracle we've had democracies or clay governments of the feet and soon the toes over the last 250 years. I think it's a miracle because all through history, emperors and kings have been absolute without exception because their power is what they thought kept their kingdom. If you look through history, you'll find that many of the kings, they were worried that they would be assassinated by 
an enemy, or even sometimes by those in their own court, even Nebuchadnezzar, and many that were afraid they could be killed any time. That is the price of absolute monarchs, dictatorships, and iron. It's true. Well, I think it's very interesting. In the last two years, you can clearly see Bible prophecy coming into play very strongly if you consider these feet and the toes of the Daniel 2 image. Why is it that countries like Australia and Canada, which is just a, uh, just a couple I'm mentioning, the United States as well, of course, and, and the UK to another degree. In the old scriptures, it used to talk about Britain being Tarshish and the young lions thereof. And I consider Australia, New Zealand, and America and Canada, they came out of the UK largely. Yes. They are described in the scriptures as the young lions thereof. Because I want to get this point across here about when people talk about the ten toes or the ten horns or the powers that are coming under the Antichrist, do they come out of Europe? That's not exactly quite correct. The origin is out of Europe. It certainly is. But let's consider something. If you look at a map, I've got one right here, of the Roman Empire at its, at its zenith in about 117 AD, and this is 50 years after Israel had been obliterated as a nation and uh, you had the diaspora and Israel was scattered, there people all over the world. At that time, let's look at the map. It is true, and this is what most people consider when they consider, oh yeah, the ten horns, that's going to be countries like, uh, yeah, Spain and Germany and the UK and France and Italy, etc. Correct. I believe that's true. But if you look at the map of the Roman Empire at that time, at its maximum, it's at zenith. It also included all of North Africa, all of North African countries. And in other words, you've got the Roman Empire starting at Britain. You've got Britain, you've got France. And I checked the other day because I thought Germany wasn't part of the Roman Empire. I thought it was just um, barbarians. But I checked it carefully. But there were two major provinces called the Major and the Lesser Province of Germany who were part of the German Empire. That's very important to know. So you've got Britain, France, Spain, and um, you've got parts of Germany, Belgium, right? And you've also, Holland, I think it was merged as a, a part of Germany and Belgium back at that time. And then you have Italy, then you've got Greece, then further east you've got Turkey. And then, believe it or not, what people don't know, Israel was part of the Roman Empire. These things are very important. I'll tell you why. Israel was part of the Roman Empire. Most people don't know this. They just think, oh, Western Europe. And then, believe it or not, I checked Saudi Arabia, or part of Saudi Arabia was also part of the Roman Empire. Then you keep going. You've got Egypt, and then you've got Libya. These countries weren't necessarily called the same names now. Uh, all across there to Tunisia on, on the north coast of Africa. Why is this important? Because if you only think of these ten emerging nations of the ten toes of Daniel 2 or Daniel 7 or Revelation 13, if you consider them only as these major powers in Europe, and I, I can understand why people think this, because let's think Britain has had its empire since the Roman Empire. They had colonies all over the world. France has had its empire a few centuries ago there with Napoleon. You've had Germany's had its empire under Hitler, right? And you've had Italy and Spain, 
and Portugal, well, they've colonized all of South America, the Philippines and other places. And you've had Belgium and Holland, they've colonized down in Africa and, and other islands of the sea. So you see that there's been a lot of the, these powerful nations in Europe. Those are the ones people mostly think about. But I think we need to take a, a back step for a moment, have a look at the map. Because I think that Israel and Saudi Arabia in particular are going to have a lot to do with the end time. And that reinforces my conviction why we as Bible scholars were taught that there has to come a third temple that will be set up in Jerusalem. If you look at a map, believe it or not, Israel exact center of what was the Roman Empire. Interesting. You look at the map. Israel is the dead center, and we also know that Israel will be the focus of the King of Kings. Jerusalem will be the headquarters of the King of Kings, Jesus himself. What does the devil in the Antichrist want to do? They always imitate God. In this case, they're going to imitate Messiah, and they will set up the headquarters of the Antichrist. I personally believe the Antichrist is a real person. I don't see it as just um, an idea or that evil will be in people's hearts, or, or that, um, no, you're not, ye are the temple of the Spirit of God, and interpret everything all spiritually, as some people are now doing. I don't think that's correct, for many reasons. In fact, if you study the Scriptures in detail, you'll find out the Antichrist is definitely personified as an actual person. That's right. It has to be a person, and a person and a world leader has to have a place from which to operate. And he chooses Jerusalem. You, you read Daniel 11, you, you read Daniel 11 in detail, and you'll see it for yourself. You'll see the Antichrist is a real person, and he's going to come on the scene. Now, I believe, because of what I said before, that the clay and the iron mixture of the feet of prophecy, a lot of the clay is now turning to iron. This is not necessarily something we foresaw, but it's interesting. Because things are changing, things are morphing, and the question is why? And I think that's pretty obvious why. Nightlight, keeping you in tune with the times. The next thing I want to bring out is an important verse that's been brought out by other Bible scholars, which is uh, back in Daniel 2. If we go to Daniel 2, Daniel 2, 43. Now get a grip of this verse. What does this mean? And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. What is this talking about? But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. Tom Horn and others have said they believe this is talking about demon powers. This is talking about the demon powers don't mix with the clay. And this is a very, very important point because... Up until now, we've had governments over the nations that were at least listening to the people to some degree. At least the people, we the people, had some say as the clay. We had some say in things. But in the last two years, you're seeing a change. You're seeing leaders come on the scene that don't make any sense. Right. You're seeing leaders that speak lies all the time. You're seeing leaders that don't care what the people think. And they keep getting away with it. How do these people, I won't give the names now, but you all know who they are. These people who are so-called running the world in the United States and in charge of medical things in the States and, and other leaders, they're becoming more vocal in their arrogance and in their lying 
and they're not caring what we the people think, and they certainly weren't even voted into power. That's right. This is happening more and more, and I think this is why we are seeing this prophecy of Daniel 2 being fulfilled, that we're seeing that things are changing, the feet are changing from the clay to iron in many countries. I, I can talk about the Western nations. I don't know what's happening more around the world, but it seems to me they all seem to be going the same direction of lemmings over the cliff in following the New World Order into satanic control. As I said, I think Bible prophecy of Daniel 2 and uh, Daniel 7 and Revelation 13 is all happening. Yes. It's all happening before our eyes. And what I would suggest is I think that the next thing we're going to see is the rise of the Antichrist. I think it's inevitable. It's any time now. It has to happen. I do not believe that the Antichrist is just going to show up at the last minute. I, I've read different things by different people, and I'm shocked that people don't stick to the Scripture. Some people seem to think the Antichrist is going to show up uh, in the, uh, the Tribulation. I don't think so. Yes. It says very clearly, and here's one of my favorite chapters. So I'm going to go over to it right now. And that is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. This chapter makes it so clear about the Antichrist. Now, try and get around this one by saying it's um, not a person. Look at this one. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by a gathering unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, or by letter from us, that that day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. I think that's what we've seen in the last couple of years, a big falling away from faith. But not always. Some people are getting stronger. That's true. A lot of people are getting stronger because of the adversity of the last few years, of the, of the lies and the deceptions, and everybody can see it, who's got half an eye open. Right. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Right, it says here, it doesn't say it's the TV is the Antichrist or something like that. It says, man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, the son of the devil himself. Clear as anything right there. It's a person, right? So, except there come a falling away first. I think that's been going on for a long time now, falling away from faith, especially in the West. Yes. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. That means the son of the devil. So here's the Antichrist. But what does it say about this Antichrist guy? who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped. Look what they've been doing the last two years. Look what they're trying to do. They're trying to persecute anybody who doesn't believe their satanic ways. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now you know what withholdeth might be revealed in his time. Now what's that talking about? For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he that will now letteth will let till he be taken out of the way. This is talking about spiritual power or angel, which is holding back the flood tide of iniquity until it's the perfect time. And then it says, Then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, we're already seeing these things happening. Lying wonders. The last two years have been full of lying wonders of these constant lying governments around the world. They stink. That's the only way I can use for these governments. They stink of lies and their medical advisors. 
with all deceivableness of unrighteousness and them to perish, because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. Yes, the coming mark of the beast. The question is, is God going to put a pause on the situation? Is God going to put a stop to the tidal wave of iniquity that we're going through right now and delay things? Well, that's a good question. It doesn't look like it so far. Evil seems to be marching on for the last two years. Question is, where in time are we? Where in time are we? Personally, I think we're going to see the revelation of the Antichrist shortly. And I don't see the Antichrist as a guy coming on the scene as some politician, you know, like Trump to save the day for the Americans. No, no. I see the Antichrist as coming on the scene supernaturally, with great power, in imitation of the second coming of Christ, not a politician. Right. And it's absolutely certain that the Antichrist is going to be a man. I think so. From all I've studied from different students and masters of Bible prophecy, I've looked at so many, I feel the scripture has got it very clear that there has to come the Antichrist because it says he will be revealed. Well, if you don't see him, he's not being revealed, is he? Yes. There's got to be a revelation of the Antichrist. There has to be a revelation because things need to be clear to the people. And I think that as many other writers have already said, I think it's going to be supernatural in nature. I think it'd be like from one day to the next. Here would be like giving a Bible class something, and something's going to happen in the sky. Something big. I think that's, I agree with other authorities on this. I think you're talking about a supernatural appearance. Jesus will return in the sky, scriptures say. The devil, in the form of his son, the Antichrist, will do the same thing. They'll put some big show up in the sky. Let's put it this way. According to Second Thessalonians, it's such a powerful thing that happens. What does it say? With all deceivableness and unrighteousness them the perish, because they receive not the love of the truth. They don't want to get saved. They don't want Jesus. So the devil comes along in the form of his son, the Antichrist, puts on a big show, probably UFOs and lasers and some big show in the sky, and for this cause, God should send them strong delusion. There's your big delusion, that they should believe a lie. And right after that, it won't be long, some years or so, until you get the mark of the beast in the middle of the last seven years, that they might all be damned who believe not the truth. The truth being Jesus. Jesus is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right, but before the Antichrist, we do need to see the ten kings first, right? That's correct. That's right. He could be working behind the scenes right now because you've seen in the last two years how I said that governments are changing from clay to iron. And oh, another important point I want to bring out on this is that I think if we look seriously at some of the characters in America that are running things, right. some of these people don't act like normal people. There's something seriously wrong with them. And that's another thing I want to bring out. When he talks about iron governments, especially when it talks about the last ten horns, it's talking about demon-possessed people. It's talking about demons running things, not humans. These people are totally possessed by demons or devils. But I think we've been seeing it already happen in the last two years. We're getting a, you know, it's more in our face. Signs of the Times. This is another point I wanted to bring out here about this, but this is not me, this is another pastor said this, that Satan himself, apart from being, uh, having been an angel and then a fallen angel, he has generally two forms, well, in illustration, in the Bible. 
Satan is either shown as a deceptive sneaky snake or serpent or as a dragon, right? Now there's a distinction this pastor says. When Satan puts on the form of a snake or serpent, he's very deceptive, often works behind the scenes in the form of uh, behind the scenes in governments. When he takes on the form of a dragon, it's when there's a power ruling, like Rome or Babylon or Greece, when he takes over certain, not all, but certain leaders or Caesars of those world governments, he takes over and he's right in your face. He's there screaming at you, right in your face, telling you what to do. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, I think the last two years, that's what we've been seeing. We're seeing people, these leaders screaming right in your face, you don't do what we say. Did anybody give them the uh, authority? Was it voted in? No. They're acting like they are dictators and we're just stupid people who don't know anything and don't have any rights. How can that suddenly happen? It's true. But that's what's happening. So you're seeing this other form of Satan emerging, behaving like dragons instead of the behind the scenes. We the people are not ignorant. We know that the rich have always ruled over the poor, as Solomon said in Proverbs. But it's like for the last few hundred years, at least the rich have kind of acted as if we count to some degree and what we the people want that it matters. But now, not all, but those in power are obviously being dictated to by people above them, more powerful people than the leaders of the world, those people above them. And they are dictating, no, we're changing things. Things are changing. We want mandates. We want iron rule. We want the whole world under control. It's satanic. It's completely satanic. So we're definitely heading to total satanic control and antichrist control. As to the details, what comes first? The ten horns come on the scene first, or the antichrist comes on the scene? I think you're probably right. Probably you'll see the ten horns come first, yes. According to scriptures, the ten horns come first, and then the antichrist, the little horn, appears, and then destroys or uproots three of them, and then replaces them by leaders that will do what he says. It wouldn't surprise me at all. What we've seen just in the last two years I think these governments are capable of anything. All we can do as Christians is to see this is a challenging time and it's a time to stand up and fight for what you know to be right. It's a time to, to be in desperate prayer and especially be in the Word, be in the, in the Bible, know your end time scriptures really well. Hold on to God's Word because this is a victorious time for winning souls, for witnessing if you're a true Christian for Jesus, you've got nothing to be afraid of. But this is a challenge to us. We're warriors. That's right. We're warriors of the Spirit. To us, it's just a challenge because there's a big harvest coming. And what you said before is fantastic, that the Word will come alive when the receptivity is there. I see that as happening, that I think, especially with the coming of the Antichrist and the tribulation, I think millions of people will turn to Jesus and the light and they will see that this world is not worth living for. This world is not living for material things and just to better yourself and just to be popular and just to be seen good like you see with all the social media slanting people in exactly the wrong direction when what they should be doing is finding out what's of real value in life. What are the spiritual values? Only the Word of God can give you that. If you've got the Word of God, then you'll have the right values. Yes. But you've got to value God's Word. You've got to not just say you're a Christian, but you've got to read God's Word every day. You've got to read His Word, you've got to pray desperately, and you've got to get a connection with Jesus. Amen. Which is not difficult to do. 
God's made it easy. So, you know, none of us have excuse before God through not knowing him or not hearing from him. We're all capable of that. You don't have to go to church and have religion to be saved. You just need to receive Jesus into your heart. Confess you're a sinner and you can't make it without God. Uh, it's, it's as simple as that. But religions try to make it so difficult. That's right. You know, but it isn't difficult. Amen. You've got to be as a little child, Jesus said, in to enter into heaven. So thank God he's, Jesus made it so simple for us. Like a candle in the night, it's nightlight. I like your question about don't the ten horns come first before the Antichrist? What does it make you think that, apart from Daniel 11, what, what does it make you feel that we must have the horns come first before the Antichrist comes on the scene? Well, I'm thinking, Stephen, of Daniel 7, verses 8 and 24. Behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And then verse 24, and the ten horns... Out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. My personal opinion is the three countries that get overthrown by the Antichrist will be the United States, the UK, and Israel. Israel, that's interesting. Those three. They will have their governments totally replaced. I, I think that... The devil and his son, the Antichrist, are already running things behind the scenes. I think they put up with certain people under them for a certain season. But when they say, see that people are making a total mess out of things, they're going to have to get rid of them. They're going to have to put an iron leader in there, somebody who does exactly what they say, rather like the Nazis for Hitler. It's got to be on that level, demonic level, where they do exactly what they're told or they're gone. I think it's those three countries that will be ripped up by the Antichrist because they can't obey. They always have their own opinion. They always have their own way of doing things, and they won't do things strictly by the iron, by the book of the Antichrist. That's my opinion. Now, from what I can see, looking at all the nations that used to be part of the Roman Empire, the young lions thereof, the countries that come out of those powers, right? So I think it's important to realize that, like I said before, that countries like Australia and Canada... They came out of the UK, and uh, as scriptures talk about them as Tarshish and the young lions thereof in Ezekiel 38, 39. So I think it's important to expand one's horizon. Yes, it's, it's based out of what was the Roman Empire, but then consider what did some of those individual countries in Europe, didn't they have an empire? The Turks had an empire during the last thousand years. The Spanish had an empire. British had an empire. The Germans certainly did. The French did. The Belgians. They all did. So you have to consider those facts, the influence. I say that because I checked yesterday about languages. I was shocked. Did you know there are 1.3 billion people that speak English on this planet? Did you know there are 100 countries on the world where English is their first language? I didn't know that, including islands of the sea. I didn't know. 1.3 billion. And then there are 1.3 billion who speak Chinese in, in lesser countries, but probably about 40 different countries. So English and Chinese are about one-on-one -on -one to each other, but England is spoken in a lot more countries than Chinese is. And then you have Spanish, of course, uh, 8.7, no, 870 million. Of course, the Spanish conquest, uh, they, con they conquered all South America, Central America, and the Philippines and other places. And, of course, the Portuguese, uh, Brazil, and, and other places in Africa. The point is, what used to be part of the Roman Empire, these individual 
countries became empires in their own right. But because they were empires at the same time as other empires, there's never been a world empire till now. But now it's emerging. And that's what's interesting in the last two years in conclusion. The last two years, to me, it's fantastic. Now, you said it yourself. These two years have been very fruitful for us, very fruitful, in spite of all the trouble. <laughs> it's very fruitful for witnessing. I would say that most people are becoming more receptive and people have become hungry to know more. Uh, and I am happy to say that I think here in the West, um, from what I've studied, 40% of the people are actually resisting what's going on. But it's not told you in the media. The media will tell you other stats. But actually about 40% of people are saying no. But the exciting thing for us as Christians is the sooner they get on with it, the sooner we can go home and be with Jesus. But I'm enjoying the fight. I'm enjoying the challenge. As I said to you in my email the other day, I find no greater joy than God's word, reading his word, and when he speaks to me through his word, when he makes it alive, uh, and being able to give it to others, it's a great joy to be able to pass it on to others. But I do believe if we stick with our Bibles and stick with what the scriptures say, don't go by what people say, but read it for yourself. Read it in, in, in our, again, I'll repeat that. No Daniel 2, no Daniel 7 and 8, no Daniel 9, no Daniel 11 and 12, and then no book of Revelation, especially with knowledge to Revelation 12 and 13. To know these chapters backwards, so you yourselves will be an authority on God's word. Because I want to tell you something now. What man says and what man writes is going to pass away. The only thing that's going to last is the truth. What saddens me is when I see so many people have half a truth. Or they don't even speak truth. Or they've gotten used to speaking half truths and, and half lies. And they don't realize one of these days we all have to give account before God. For every idle word we speak. Is it edifying? Or is what we're saying the truth? Because you can't live basing your life on lies like those politicians do. Stephen, thank you so much. And I'm very thankful for those insights into the ten toes and where it looks like we're standing now in relation to the end time and the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. Okay, thanks so much. I'll sign off here with a prayer that the Lord will bless and keep you and make you a blessing to many. God bless you. Bye for now. Bye.